Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I want to welcome each and every one of you back to our Christmas series, week two. We've entitled the series, Believe. I want to look in the camera there. Welcome our McKinney campus. We're excited for our McKinney campus. They had the largest non-holiday attendance weekend in the history of the McKinney campus last weekend. So we're excited celebrating McKinney. God's doing great things there. Also in Hazlitt, maybe some of you watching us online or watching this message later. We're glad that all of you have joined us. We're talking about Believe, and if you're just jumping in, we're connecting this Christmas thought of believe and the desire for hope and the desire for these Christmas experiences. We're connecting it to the Bible word, and the Bible word is faith. I'm going to ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to pick the story back up. We're in the, the Mary, the mother of Jesus section of the Christmas story. The whole Christmas story is believed. The whole Christmas story is faith, but we're honing in here on the Mary part of the story, a big character in it. If you're just catching up here, uh, I, I just began to think about this Christmas. I began to think about how no matter where you're at in your journey with God, there's more available of Him. There's, a, there's always a need, and new seasons bring new challenges. So the great thing about faith is no matter how long you walk with God, there's available room to grow in it. The Bible says that we're moving from faith to faith and glory to glory. So there's a, a continual developmental process in our faith life. I began to think about you. I began to think about just our culture that yes, there's a monetized section of Christmas, but there's also kind of this, this, this ethos of Christmas, this, this desire in Christmas that we use words like believe or we watch the Hallmark Christmas shows. We, we want something good to happen. We talk about Christmas miracles and Christmas uh, things that would happen. Why? It's like we all hope that maybe in a moment with our families or maybe a moment where maybe we're depressed or discouraged that we might end that. It, it's really not about the meals and the parties. It's about the chance to touch something outside of ourselves. It's this longing to believe again, and there's, there's never enough of it. Christmas just kind of keeps being more. At least, I, I need to kind of set the record straight, because some of y'all were not at Joy. My wife, who shared a fantastic message, in her message, she called me regarding Christmas lights at our house, Scrooge. And Grinch, both of which may be true, but I need, you know, I got the mic now. I need to kind of set the record straight, okay? So I had nothing at the house early days. It was glorious. No lights and no dogs. No animals to take care of, nothing to put up after Christmas. My wife said, our kids are going to suffer a terrible childhood. We need lights. And so we got some on the house. And I was like, okay, we got that. 
Maybe we'll just leave them up all year long like some of y'all do. She said, that's not enough. We need them in the yard. So we put them in the yard. Actually, I didn't put them in the yard. I made Caleb put them in the yard. That's my son, by the way. And he got electrocuted, which at that phase of his life, he needed electrocuted, actually, to maybe set something right in his brain. And so we had Caleb set out the lights, and then she said, we don't need them in the yard. We need them in the driveway. And then my daughters ran over them two straight years. And now she's saying we need more. Saying we need the reindeer, you know, and the one that eat, you know, I'm thinking, and that thing's going to break and I'm going to have to fix that too. But, but the principle is, I mean, our, our house looks like Hobby Lobby. It's like, we're, we're trying to, it's like, she was putting out a nativity. She's like, where am I going to put it? I'm like, would that be a sign we don't need any more? <laughs> but there's never enough. And what I find is, is that again, there's still this need for us to touch. And, and, and I, last week I told you it's faith and we read Mary's story. I mean, Mary's story is so out of the box. I mean, here you have this younger than 14-year-old girl. She is visited by an angel. She's told she's going to have the Son of God. What do I name? His name is Jesus. He'll save the world, you know. I find people, you know, as a pastor, a lot of times they'll, they'll say, man, uh, can, is there anything I can pray for you? you know, oh, man, my prayer request, man, you, you don't even know. I mean, it's special. It's a unique thing. I, I find that we kind of tend, tend to believe like we have these challenges that no one's ever faced. Of course, as a pastor, I know three or four other people that are dealing with the same thing you're dealing with, but the enemy kind of makes us think, you know, my, my request is special. And I grew up in church, you know, you'd have such special prayer requests, they would be unspoken. Mine's so bad, I can't even speak it. You know, it's unspoken. I, I would say this about Mary's situation she really had a unique prayer request here, okay? This is a real out-of-the-box, you are going to give birth to God. Pretty unique situation. She's walking through that, and then I walked you through her story and then said, but when she said, let it be done to me according to your word, she was now using a biblical principle, an extension of who God is into our everyday lives, she was accessing faith, and then I walked you through these principles of faith where you can access this for your own life. And we talked about it comes to us, and you can hear the word, and if you'll engage with the word, you'll get faith, and you can see it different, and you can speak different, and, and faith. And then at the end, I said, faith is contagious. Environments have a culture. They have a a ethos, there's, there's, there's unbelief-filled environments and there's negative environments and negative people like being with negative people. And critical people like being with critical people and, and faith, though, is, is, is contagious. It doesn't deny the reality of the problem, but it's hopeful in the power of God. And those environments are contagious. And I told you that you could change the culture of your team, of your home, of your family with this substance of faith. And, and I felt everyone lean in. Hey, I want to know more about that. Faith is contagious. And I want to take you on a journey to show you, I, I want to like even go deeper than just, just there's, a, there's a practical uh, aspect to human nature like we, we become who we hang around. 
It's just true. Like everyone, the highest expression in our culture is individuality, self-expression. Anybody got any teenagers? Well, I am, I am, I am, I am my own brand. No, you look like everybody else on TikTok. No, 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 you're not as individual as you think. Actually, what you call self-expression is handed down to you by someone who created that expression that you now are absorbing. We, we, we are mimickers and we are culturally connective beings because God is that way and he made us that way. So you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It's just kind of how we're made. So faith is contagious, but it's more than just this practical set of relationships, I want to take you into a value that we have here at Milestone Church. I've been preaching this value for over 30 years. I've been preaching it before we planted Milestone Church. I talk about it every month, and you'll hear at every campus us talk about this value. You've probably tasted it. You've probably touched it. You may have called it friendliness. You may have called it warm. You may have called it authentic, but I want, because I want to remind some of you that are part of the Milestone family, I want to maybe help some of you grow closer to it, and we have hundreds of you that are new to our family here, and you need to understand that we believe that there is not just these casual set of relationships or a place we go on the weekend to hear good preaching and music, but we believe there are these divine relationships called spiritual family. And that if you want your faith to grow, you need to be discerning about that area of your life too. You say, is that in the Christmas story? Well, Mary, she got her message from an angel of the Lord. There's people out, again, there is a personal, individual, faith, nature, connection, you and God, and that's not something to be minimized, but it's not complete. When you study the holistic nature of Scripture, we serve a familial God. We serve a God that was three, yet one, who for all eternity lived within the unity of that Trinitarian union and then creates man in his own image. And God comes to us, Jesus, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, he could have busted out like a Marvel superhero, boom, I'm here, but he came in a family. He came to a family, and the familial language of the Bible keeps bringing our individual culture of today back to, yes, God wants to work in you individually, but that's not the sum total of how he grows your faith. And I want to tell you what I believe is one of the most undervalued in, in the world today. Again, I've been preaching it for years. But I find a, an inquisitiveness to it, a hunger for it. A, I think we've, we've done it so much as individuals, we're now seeing our lack. And I truly believe that there's a lot of people missing a dimension of faith. And that dimension of faith is not just what they're getting vertically, but where they're placed horizontally. And so there's this connection to that. Mary, her story, powerful, there's an angel, and then she then goes to see Elizabeth. There's an Elizabeth in the Christmas story. Not just the angel of the Lord, it's now go see Elizabeth, and 
She makes an intentional on purpose. If you look at the verse there in Luke, it says, at the time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. What's she in a hurry from this big moment with God? She's in a hurry to get to the relational connection that she needs in this major, major, major moment in her life. It was probably, scholars believe, a three to five day journey. So hurried is a relative term. There's no FaceTime, there's no Zoom, and there's no just, let's just go drive over here. She would face challenges and potential all kinds of struggles on the journey. Three to five days to get to Elizabeth. She hurries there in this town. When she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now there's a larger narrative here. The baby she will carry will be the forerunner to Jesus who will say, I must decrease that he must increase. So make no mistake, every time God's talking to you about his divine relationships, there's a larger narrative and a greater salvific plan to it all that you can't always see. But that's what I love even about divine relationships it's not just top down from Elizabeth, though that's going to be important. It's also, there was something that leaps in Elizabeth when she is able to greet Mary. It's both ways. I love it. There's the leaping and filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women. Look at this. Like Someone in her life who could hear what God was saying in the midst of her circumstance. She could have said, this is crazy. Now what? You're pregnant by the Holy Spirit. What are you thinking here? You saw an angel? You need people in your life who can confirm what God's doing in those moments. And so she said to her, you're blessed. You're blessed among men, women. Blessed is the child that you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And this is why the Bible's so powerful. I've read this story multiple times, but these words just jumped off the page where I saw the connection between Mary saying, be it done to me according to your word, and there she has that faith with the interaction with her and God, but the completion and the, the, the wholeness that comes to the conviction of faith when Elizabeth agrees with the same phrase. She says to her, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. You need those kind of people in your life. You need spiritual family. You need divine relationships. You need people in your life that are going to speak the word of God over you, not the popular opinion. They're not going to agree with what you feel. They're not going to agree with what you think. They're going to agree with the word God's spoken. And what happens there is it increases your faith. I know in my own life, there's no way I would have endured, stepped out, walked in so many different things if I would have had 
the modern cultural viewpoint on Christianity that is, as long as you can get the information yourself, you can walk it out on your own. It's been the people, it's been the spiritual family, it's been the relationships in my life many times. Though God may speak something, there's confirmation that says, here's what God is saying. And when you want to walk away from what God said, you have somebody that brings you back to his word. Elizabeth, you're blessed. God's in this. Stay true to it. Stay true to what you said. I want to take it a little bit deeper, though, and that is spiritual family, one of my favorite verses. If you come to our growth track, you're going to hear about it in every single step. It's one of the core fundamental things of what is, is at the foundation of who we are here. God sets the lonely in families. He leads the prisoners out with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Well, what is this verse saying? Number one, he takes you if you're isolated, lonely, maybe you've left family, maybe you've gone through a challenge, maybe you have challenge in your natural family. I know this time of year, we're facing challenges with natural family. It's like, man, spiritual family, I, I got all these crazy people coming to my house. Some of you kind of, uh, well, if you don't know the crazy people that are coming, you're the crazy people. I just want you to know that. And it's like, how do we... How do we deal with that? Well, have you ever thought that maybe God sets the lonely in his family so that he can equip you for what you're facing with your family? He sets the lonely. He takes them. He divinely, sovereignly, outside of our understanding, places them in the context of these Mary Elizabeth-type relationships. It says, though, but the rebellious live in a dry place. If you live isolated, if you live I got it, do it my way. You live the cultural narrative of today, it's dry, it's dry. I, I've been thinking about this, it's, it's something I'm very passionate about. The New Testament, when it comes to faith, you say, Jeff, you're saying that faith and relationships, and you say even further, divine relationships, not just like community or casual, but like these words like spiritual, family, like I can discern God put me, that's connected to my faith. Well, in the New Testament, did you know the Corinthian church, Paul comes to this church, and, and they're very gifted, but they're dysfunctional because in their environment, it's about them. And he keeps making this appeal to them to, to the benefit, the value, the the things that can come if you'll see it as the body and you'll see what I'm doing. And he talks about these gifts. He actually says these gifts are not gifts you're just created with. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, he says there are some manifestations of the Spirit. There's some, some wild stuff in there like miracles and discernment and, and all these gifts that can manifest from the Spirit of God, but he says this, each one of you been given these manifestations of the Spirit, but they're given not for you. They're not there for you. They're not to make your Christianity more electric. They're there for the common good. They're there that you become a conduit that the manifestation of God's Spirit comes to someone else. And one of those gifts is the gift of faith. You may be underestimating how many times God can use you if you are a person of faith to be a conduit to receive from the Spirit of God to pour it into somebody else. 
But how many times you yourself might need that very same manifestation to flow through someone else to get you to trust, to get you to believe, to get you to take a step, to get you to walk in what God has for you. But how will you receive it if you're not connected to the supply? How will you receive it if you're not connected? And and there's a challenge today in the way we see Christianity that's very anti-biblical but very culturally normative. I want to give you a few of these. This is how God builds. It's the whole Bible. But in today's world, I see this model being perpetuated. It's as if the highlight is the individual and the information. We live in a culture today, just just give me the information, and I'm going to do it my way, and, and, and we're busy with our lives, and I don't want to be bothered with anybody else's infringement on my own pleasures and desires, and so I'm going to kind of do my thing, but I don't want to leave the faith thing out, so could you just, could you just stream me the faith? Could you just email me the faith? Well, there's a dimension of faith. God uses the preaching of the word, but there's an incompleteness to your faith, and I believe a lot of people are under-resourced in faith, not because they don't have exposure to individual information but because there's a lacking peace. You see, we live in an increased mobility culture, yet more lonely. More mobility, like we've got more options. There's, I, I know, I, I've shaken 300 hands in the last three months of people saying to me, I got a better job and a better house and a better career and less fulfillment. Is there anything wrong with a better house or a better job? No. Those all come from the gift in the hand of God, but they can't give you faith. There's a model today that's just distribute info. Just distribute the information, and because many of us will settle for that, then we have modeled that and just said, hey, we'll just send you the info. Let's just make this about information. So what we've created is content distribution centers and places where we can access content, and it's kind of a do-it-yourself Christianity. But when I read the Bible, I see the beginning pages of a familial God. I see all these verses of Scripture that relate to us that way. I see a Jesus who comes into a family and builds family with his disciples and pours his life into them. I see an early church that lived as an everyone church where they were all together. I, I see a Jesus who said, you may want to put me in the content place of just a moral teacher who distributes content, but that is not a position that I receive. He says, I bring you into my family And now you call one another brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, connected relationships. The model is discipleship. And discipleship is not just access to content. It's someone who says, hey, this is true. Let's do it together. Let's actually learn it. Let's not just learn about it. And in this model of Jesus' life in the New Testament, there's things like love and It says when every part is doing its work, there's more love to go around. And love isn't just a concept or a theory, it's something to be given away. And there's forgiveness and reciprocation. And you know, you don't really know if you are a person growing in forgiveness unless you're connected to crazy people you have to forgive. 
So you can feel real humble by yourself, but when you engage, then you start learning that you actually have to practice that humility, that forgiveness, and there's this idea of serving one another. I I realize you're like, Jeff, what are you trying to say? What I'm saying is, I am of the opinion that there is a lot of the vertical connection to God going on, but a lot of people underdeveloped in the fullness of faith because of our individualized version of Christianity today. That's what I'm saying. So we have gone against that grain. That's what you feel here. If you're new here, people say, man, it's friendly. It's more than friendly. It's family. Because you can always have people that act friendly. Y'all ever met those people? Hi, how you doing? Praise God. How you doing? Blessed. Don't ever say that. It's really, really weird. But when you start mixing together this authenticity and intentionality of family, and maybe you had a family that was struggling or Maybe your family walked through a difficult time if you ever knew someone who didn't have a perfect family because there's no perfect family, but the ethos of that environment, there was love and unity and forgiveness and respect. You're like, can we go have Friday night sleep over there? Because I want to be in that. That's what you feel. That's what you experience. And you say, like, like where, where are we related to this? Well, I know listening to me, maybe at the McKinney campus or Hazlitt or online, there's There's various groups of you. There's some of you who go, I don't know what this is. And and the reason a lot of times we don't know what it is, is for a lot of us, we 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 in American culture, the brain really likes simplicity. So we we segment things so in such a linear fashion that the Bible doesn't allow the separation. So so it's harder for us in Western culture. The Bible's way more Asian or African than it is American. Because there's this, this weaving together. I, I, I thought of an illustration this week. Lainey Kate, my youngest, she taught me how to DoorDash. And you're like, you're, you're, I'm just not real good technology. She taught me, and, and so she said, Dad, here's the computer. And even better, it's my other daughter, my 19-year-old's account, connected to her debit card. I'm like, this is, this is amazing. This is the prosperity of God. And so this is, and so I, I mean, we have nights at my house where it's fend for yourself. Honey, what are we eating? I don't know. You know, perform a miracle, man of God. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so then now Lainey Cake brought me a solution. I can go to McAllister's or something and like get like a BLT on Lauren's account. <laughs> oh, this, this is amazing. And so I'll be like, BLT, some chips, you know, man, and the tea, that's a sweet tea. They're going to bring it to my house. Whoa, who knew? This is too good to be true. But then I did it a few times, and I learned something even better. You go down, and like our whole culture now is we'll give you the main product, but we'll upsell you all the other products. And so I bought the the sandwich, and then right down there, like with a, a glowing halo, was Bluebell. We'll bring you Bluebell on the way to your house. I'll have that. <laughs> then you want some Basslers? I'll have that. You know, like, what else you got? How'd you know I like all this? I'll have that. I'll have, it's Lauren's account. I'll have it all. <laughs> just bring it on over. And I started just thinking about 
the hundreds of Christians that I've interacted in our modern era with who actually think spiritual family is an upsell. Like a take it or leave it and you can still have the meal. No, 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 no. The biblical picture is this Jesus who comes not to be a moral teacher and a content distributor, but he comes to have a relationship with us and then place us in his family to make us brothers and sisters in Christ that now as we love him and as we read his word, not our version of an individualized word, we begin to grow into more of his likeness. It's the meal. It is the biblical version of Christianity. I find a lot of people say, we don't have time for it. I don't have time for that version of Christianity, Pastor. I just want to attend church. I don't want to be family with my church. You don't have time for it till you know what it's really worth. When I started, when our team came here and started Milestone Church, I was in a class doing missiology work. Missiology is a study of reaching people working on a master's degree. And I was even talking with pastors and they said, Jeff, you can't plan a church in Dallas-Fort Worth and talk to these people about spiritual family and like them actually being connected and brothers and sisters and stuff. These are, these are busy people, Jeff. These are important people. These are highly educated, upwardly mobile, up and to the right people. They have too many other things to be focused on all of that. I said, well, we're going to bother them. We are going, because I find that person needs family more than anybody. The third thing is a lot of them don't feel worthy. Some of us are like, man, family? Like, I don't know if I'm worthy for that. I don't know that I could be like, maybe I could be like a, a sort of son or daughter, but can I really be like a son and daughter of the king, like brothers and sisters would any family want me? I remind you again, it's not the gift we give single moms and widows, it's that you love them like family, and when we tell them you're part of our family, they believe it because they see the demonstration of it. I was doing that prayer moment, and I don't even, I have just heard about these, these roving gangs of widows at Milestone that are roving around and doing things and stuff. So I mentioned, we have gangs of widows. I was out shaking hands and one of them came up to me and said, we're one of the gangs. <laughs> and I was so blessed by my interaction with them. This, this lady to my left, you're right there with the glasses. I mean, precious, precious, precious. She just cried the whole time. Because she's walked through this loss. I shared with them, my mom became a widow in 2019. So I feel your pain. I know how the enemy wants to separate you. You could just, you could just, you just see her gratitude, man. She was just so thankful. The, the other lady over here, she was quite a character. She was just like, man, we, we, we're, we're a gang of widows. We serve at the church. And then we have Bible studies. and We laugh and we cry. And we go serve and then we cry. And then we drink. And she said, I mean, I meant tea and water. I meant tea and water. I was like, well, glad you qualified that. And <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it was, it was amazing. Like, I was, I was seeing this, this idea that, 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 like, the person who feels the most on the outside, which is the gospel story of the widow, it's part of the family, too. 
But how does spiritual family really work? How does it really build our faith? Because I got some of you like, you haven't really ever heard about this. You're like, this is an interesting concept. Like, I want to know how to access it. Well, the first thing you need to know is, in, in, in this building of faith, where I believe one of the largest barriers is, you don't join spiritual family. God places you in it. The language of Scripture, see, see, even though you may know the Bible story that Elizabeth and Mary, the Bible uses the word kin, and there's a belief they were cousins, if you really study the Bible narratives, the Bible doesn't necessarily put the emphasis on necessarily that. It's the work that God's doing through the relationships. Even when you read the genealogies, it's about God's handiwork through the fabric of relationships more than it is who's kin to who and who has the same last name. And it's not about necessarily in the kingdom of God. It's not necessarily about our genetic makeup or our ethnic makeup or our background. It's about now when we get translated as sons and daughters of the king, we now are put in the same family. And we see one another differently. So the Bible uses words like he sets the lonely or in 1 Corinthians 12, he, he places the members of the body. He places, see the intentionality. We have a cultural thing, which is what's hard for people is like, like what church are you gonna join? So we, we join based on available options. I'll have that, I won't have that, I'll have this. So we join so we get a mentality that's wrong. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a cultural mentality, but not a biblical mentality. So, so it's, I, I say don't join your church, get placed in your church, get placed in relationships. No, God's put you there. You don't join the church, you join Costco, which I like, because I've got daughters and men, they're professional shoppers. And I don't like to shop, but if they say we're going to Costco, I'm in, baby. Why? You, you start out there hungry and you leave full. <laughs> you go around, beanie weenies. Oh, well, that's amazing. I'll try that. You know, egg roll. Make a lap. <laughs> go over, put a little disguise on, get a toupee. Hey, what are y'all, what do y'all have? Uh, what, never seen this before. This is an interesting, oh, you need two of these. Man, oh, amazing. You, you get full. But when I go to Costco, I'm not looking for the reciprocation of sacrificial love and for more family or friends for that matter. I'm looking to get what I need and get out. Don't look so holy in church because I've been there with some of you. Excuse me, pastor. No, just, are y'all with me? I don't go to the movies for the relational interaction, I go for the show. I'm trying to get my treats, my seat, my interaction and get out. That's Costco in the movies, that's not the kingdom of God. The second thing is spiritual family is how you grow. I know a lot of you are gonna face the new year and you're gonna think a lot about what? What am I gonna do this new year? What goals do I have? Can I give you something to pray about? Don't just think about what, think about who. Because spiritual family is how you grow. It's how you practice the things that you're learning and growing in. And I'll say it's also what we need in a crisis. But I will tell you this, you can go to heaven with an individual decision to follow Jesus, but you can't experience the kingdom here on earth by yourself as a Lone Ranger Christian. 
You can't experience the fullness. And I'm going to tell you, you'll be depleted in faith. Because we grow as we interact with one another, and that gift of faith in an atmosphere will propel you forward. I saw it last night. Here at the Keller campus, Saturday night church, there was a man walked out. I'm talking bona fide miracle. This doesn't happen a lot, man. I was blown away. In fact, so much that I was like, I got to put that in this weekend's message. I love to give you stories that are happening. We're giving food away this weekend. There's a miracle this weekend, not seven years ago. There's an atmosphere of faith right now. I met Michael and Sheila, walked out. I'd met them before, but as I saw him coming forward, I recognized I've only ever seen him in a wheelchair, in a motorized scooter. Last night, Keller Campus, Michael walked into church for the first time in 12 years. Walked in. You say, I thought you were talking about spiritual family. Well, let me tell you the story. He's been a believer. He's been a missionary. He's been a follower of Christ for 50 years. Came here. And he had found himself in a condition where he was just taking pain medication and in that thing and had ultimate different ailments and couldn't get help and couldn't find hope and couldn't find anybody to help him. And some of our pastors, myself, we had a prayer time over him in February of this year. And I just felt something rise up. I'm like, this is not your lot. This is not your future. God has more for you. Some of you are like, well, you start talking like that, you'll get people's hopes up. If I ever get there, get my hopes up. I said, that's not where God, and, and we just prayed, and there's an atmosphere of faith. Why does God use the laying on of hands? Why does God use the body of Christ? Jesus does the work. Jesus could do it without us. It's something about increasing our faith. It's something about the atmosphere of faith where there's a tangible transfer. And he found a different doctor, and he got this doctor help, that doctor. He goes, you won't even believe it. Supernatural thing, supernatural thing. And I got off the pain medicine, and I got knee surgery, and I had a special back surgery, and the doctor told me if I'd have waited one more month. I probably couldn't have had it. And he walked into church for the first time in 12 years. I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about faith. The third thing is, and I know you're excited about it, and you're, some of you are kind of leaning a little bit in, and I saved your greatest motivation for last. Why do you want to not just attend a conference center of distribution of Christianity or podcast your faith. Because the greatest value you have is not just your faith journey. By the way, it starts at saving faith. I told you that last week. It talks about you're lost and now you're found. And then you start taking steps and then you grow and then God uses you. But I'll tell you this, the further you get in your faith journey, you know what you begin to think about? The generational transfer that spiritual family produces. You start saying, man, I have had so many amazing moments with God. I don't want it to end with me. I want to hand it off to those coming behind me. Now, I can't have their faith struggles. They have to have them themselves. But, but I want to transfer it because it's a substance. And, and I want to tell you, casual consumer-based Christianity will not transfer because spiritual families produce sons and daughters, and you will begin to see that. Because here's what happens. Some of you that have young people right now, there's a thing called cognitive dissonance. 
At our old building at 801 Keller Parkway, we had a, an air conditioner that, that, that would be like, when it came on, I'd be preaching like right now, and be like, Some of y'all remember that. Some of you are like, it's so cold, I wish it would break. Anyway. And I, I was so, I preached so much in there, I forgot about it. But my friends would come to town and be like, Jeff, how do you preach in there? Every time I started, I couldn't hear it because I was in it. All my kids have moved out except for I got one daughter and our house is pretty quiet. You go over to one of you guys' house that have got a young family full of like three, four, five-year-old wild people. <laughs> the decibel level is... <laughs> you don't hear it because you live in it. Can I talk to you about something with young people today? The power of spiritual family. There's a concept in family of brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, sisters that cognitive dissonance gets broken because there's multiple anchors. And there's voices there that are coming against not just the own, their own lives, but also the loud voices of culture. And it begins to produce in them something that they begin to, even when they don't look like they're receiving, there's a transfer happening. Once you're touched by spiritual family, you won't do your faith without it. So I want to encourage you today. I want to pray for you. Some of you may be asking the question, how do I live this? How do I walk this out? We've got candlelight services. This is a reach time. You can serve someone. Then we have our grow track. Well, we'll talk about spiritual family, every single one of those. And if you haven't done it, you should jump in. 101, 201, 301, any campus. We're going to have a reach time, but we're going into a prepare time. If you're new to Milestone, you want to fast and pray with us in January. This is a time where faith, the gift of faith gets transferred. We pray for the sick. You, you'll see a tangible expression of you growing in your faith. So start making plans now. If you want to have a good year next year, then put God first. I'm going to do a series on hearing God. There's steps. If you'll take steps and be open, it takes faith to have spiritual family, but faith comes from it as well. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet for a minute. I'm going to ask if you would not to move around just for a moment so I can pray for you. Maybe somebody here, this is a big moment for them. Maybe you're watching by video, you're watching online. Somebody right now, you just, you just need to say, just bow your head and you just need to say, Jesus, I want to be part of your family. I want to receive you. Real faith starts at saving faith and that starts with surrender. Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you died on the cross. You say it to him. I believe you rose from the dead. I receive you today into my life. If you prayed that prayer, he wants to place you in these relationships. You can let us know. Come forward at the end of the service at any campus. You can come to the Grow Track. We want to help you learn to grow in your faith. But second of all, Lord, I pray that maybe right now by your spirit, more than my words, maybe someone that's been listening online for a while and they just need to take that step to connect with believers. Maybe somebody in this very service, maybe a fence or hurt or a church wound has had them on the sidelines and it's gonna take faith. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who places and we wanna discern your placement in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the Elizabeths in our lives. Lord, let us, let us value that that will confirm your word to us and increase our faith in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.